Well, hey there, guys. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Web Slingers Podcast. This is the one and only show we talk about all things Spider-Man and the Marvel Universe. And we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to be ranking all of the MCU Phase 4. Uh, now that Phase 4 has come to a close, we're going to rank all of the MCU Phase 4. But we are also going to be talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Now, ranking Phase 4 is going to take up most of the, the runtime of this episode. But I, but I did want to review the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special first. So without any further ado, let's start, let's get right into it, and let's talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. guys so let's go ahead and talk about the uh guardians of the galaxy holiday special so the guardians of the galaxy holiday special uh this is now available on disney plus it dropped on uh as it dropped uh yesterday uh right around midnight uh on friday and uh yeah it was directed by james gunn and uh, stars basically the cast from the Guardians movies with some new additions. Um, of course, Chris Pratt, uh, Palm Clementioff, Dave Bautista, Bradley Cooper is the voice of Rockets, Vin Diesel is the voice of Groot. Um, but also introducing uh, oh, uh, Karen Gillan as Nebula, uh, Sean Gunn as Kraglin. Um, Returning in a surprise little cameo, returning is Michael Rooker as Yondu. Um, and then introducing characters like Maria Bakalova as Cosmo, as the voice of Cosmo, the the Russian space dog, and also introducing Kevin Bacon in a really cool role. So uh yeah. Let's talk. Let's let's talk about uh. Let's talk about this thing. Um. Now I'll be honest. When I saw the trailer for the Guardian, when I first of all when I heard that they were even making this thing, I didn't know how to feel about it. Because on one hand, yes, I love James Gunn and I love the Guardians, but at the same time, I was like, really, all these special, really. You know, like, like, what's this gonna be? Just like, uh, a Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, but with the Guardians. Like that, I don't know if I'd want to see something like that. I mean, why would I? You know, it just didn't seem like it was my kind of. Didn't just it? It just it just didn't seem like it was really gonna be made for me when I first heard about it. 
but then I saw the trailer, and the trailer gave me so much joy that I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm on board. I still don't think I'm like super excited for it, but I'm like, okay, I'm on board. I'll 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 watch it when it drops on Disney Plus. But but even before I start, even before I went to go watch it, I was still incredibly nervous. I was like, oh, I hope this is good. I hope this is really good. I don't want it to suck. And, you know, look, I love what James Gunn has done since the Guardians films. I love uh, Suicide Squad. I love Peacemaker. Um, I love what James Gunn is, is is doing. But, again, I was just nervous going into this, uh, to this holiday special. I'm, a, I'm, I'm very happy to say that I'm very glad I was dead wrong <laughs> about my, uh, my worries about the special because this is I think the best Christmas special I've ever seen. And I I love the uh you know I love the I love Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. I love I love the Frosty uh Christmas specials. Um I even love the Charlie Brown Christmas uh special but for me um this holiday, this, this, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is easily one of the best Christmas specials I've ever seen. And mainly because it is meant to be kind of cheesy, one of those really cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies that you would find on the, on the Hallmark channel. But at the same time, it also just has that James Gunn Guardians flavor. You know, it doesn't. It's not just, hey, let's let's see how cheesy we can be. No, 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 no. This has the James Gunn Guardians humor. And if you like the James Gunn Guardians humor, then you're going to love this special. If you're not a fan of James Gunn's um, humor and what he's brought to the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, then you're probably not going to like the special. Because James Gunn's uh, humor is all over this 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 holiday special. Um but I want to talk about a few things in particular and they are spoiler related. So if you haven't watched the holiday special, um don't listen to this part. Go ahead and skip to the uh to the uh the rankings um because that's where we're because that's uh where you can go to hear a, uh, to hear uh, some some stuff regarding the the rankings of Phase Four, but we're gonna get into some spoilers for the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Um, but honestly, it's on Disney Plus. It's easily accessible, so I can't. I, I'll be honest. I don't feel too bad. So first of all, I want to start off with the way this thing opens. Like the like, it opens up with uh, an animation uh, flashback. Uh, Kraglin's telling the story about how Yondu ruined Christmas. You know, Yondu ruined Christmas for Peter. You know, Yondu coming in being his being Peter's version of Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, throwing stuff around. You know, thrashing and kicking the tree down, saying he hates Christmas. You know, what a Grinch. What a Grinch that guy is. 
Um, and then it cuts to the Guardians. They have apparently bought Nowhere from the Collector, so now they're just now they own the planet Nowhere, and now they're going to make it this you know livable environment. Um, unlike the you know shit show that it was in the first in the first Guardians film. Um, which I like, and then this is where we're introduced to Cosmo, the space dog with with Rocket, and and you know Cosmo's helping uh, helping Rocket put the stuff together, and you know Rocket, voiced by Maria Bakalova from uh, from Bodies, 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 but she was also in uh, I one of the Borat films, um, but when she's when she's like. Um, I refuse to help you if you keep demeaning me. All right, fine. I'm sorry. And I also want one of those special treats you have in your bag. Ugh, fine. <laughs> you know, Rocket feeds Cosmo. It's so wonderful. And I am very surprised that Groot is actually, you know, getting, is actually looks like he's got some muscle to him. Groot looks a bit like a beast. Um, and uh, it's that's actually that was actually really funny when I first saw when I first saw him it actually threw me off I was like whoa that that's weird, um, but I I liked it I was it was really cool and then we get the opening musical number um, what was the name of the song I have it right here uh, I don't know what Christmas is but Christmas time is here um, I have been listening to this song non-stop since uh since hearing it in the special and i'll be i'm not gonna lie to you i have a christmas playlist on my youtube music i immediately put both of the uh of the christmas songs from the the soundtrack onto um onto my christmas playlist and they're honestly top of the list for me right now top of the list for me um so yeah I uh, loved it. Loved loved the opening number. Um, that was really funny. I especially loved it when he's like, you know, um, Mrs. Claus is planning. What does he say? Like Mrs. Claus is planning his her, the the death of her husband. You know, and the elves are gonna stab out Santa's eyes. Is that what is that what they say? I can't. I... Hold on, I'm trying. to... I, I'm trying to see which part of this. Soon the elves will all rise up and stab out Santa's eyes. That is one of the most hilarious things i've ever heard i i'm not gonna lie like when i when he's when they said that in the song i just about lost lost everything and just laughed hysterically um yeah it was really funny um and then and then you know after the song you know we meet we we catch up with uh drax and mantis uh mantis wants to Give Peter a very good Christmas because he's bummed out over the loss of Gamora, and you know Yondu ruined Christmas for him. Um, and now we see that. Uh, <laughs> and 
I love, you know, you know, we could give him, you know, a bag of Zorg nuts, but you ate all the Zorg Enough with the Zorg nuts! Um, that was funny. And by the way, this is where we get the big reveal. This one of the biggest reveals I think I've in a very long time. I can't remember if there's has been any like really groundbreaking reveals in phase four. I mean, other than maybe like the the fact that there's a celestial growing within the planet in Eternals, or the fact that um or the fact that, you know, Kang is actually the reason why the TVA exists. Um other than those things that which are more which are more bigger reveals in regards to the whole cinematic universe, this is more of a personal big reveal because we find out in this special, in a holiday special, that Mantis is Peter Quill's uh, sister. Half sister, I should say. Um that's uh that uh Mantis is one of the many children of Ego. And I remember if you had pitched that idea to me, like let's say if if James Gunn showed me the script for the holiday special and I read that and I went, I don't know if that really makes any sense. But then you go back and you think about it and you think about the previous movies and you think about Guardians 2 Ego had a lot of children, so it actually makes sense that one of those children would be Mantis. And, you know, even though Mantis didn't carry the the particular power that Peter had, you know, she was there to kind of be his, you know, like like his kind of like his way of 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 like to help him sleep, basically. You know. Well, if you're not if you're not going to carry my ability, if you're not going to help me with the expansion, then you can help me by you know putting me to sleep every now and then, you know. Um, and that would that makes a lot of sense. So honestly, when I when I first heard it, I was like, wait, that's that's weird. But then I thought about it. I thought really, I I really started to think about it. I was like, oh, you know what? No, that makes sense. That actually makes a lot of sense, you know. And it's not one of those reveals. It's like, oh god, like it's so cheap. It actually ends up making a lot of sense going forward, and it will be interesting to see if that plays into um, Guardians Three. If that if that particular reveal, even though it happened in a holiday special, if that particular reveal is going to play a factor into what happens in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, uh, it'll be very interesting. Very very interesting. Um. Let's see. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so then Drax and Mantis go to Earth, and they're gonna go. They're gonna go find Kevin Bacon, and they get to, and their and their their number one stop is Hollywood, California, and you know they're walking up and down um, the uh, the walking through, and they and they stumble past the the Chinese theater, and you see. Uh, <laughs> you see all these different people in costumes. Like you see a guy in a Zorro costume and another guy in a Captain America costume, which was funny to see uh, Mantis just freak out when she saw the Captain America costume. Um, but I, 
what absolutely killed me was when Drax sees the um the 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 the, the GoBots costume and he freaks out and Mantis is just like, no, wait, sorry, GoBots killed his costume. And then later on, while they're getting all the selfies, later on you see Drax in the background just beating the living hell out of this poor guy in a costume. <laughs> it's so funny. It was it, it's it, it's actually funny, but I also feel kind of bad for that guy in the costume because he was just like he was just doing his job. Um, you know, and I even like it when they go to the bar and they get a little drunk. Um, Mantis uses her abilities to steal money, which is actually, um, very smart, I guess. Um, I mean, it's not right. I mean, she stole money from this poor woman, but, you know, she, you know, that's kind of smart. You know, it's a smart way to get money out of people. Um, um, I might edit that out. No, no, fuck it. I'll keep it in. (laughs) Um... Let's see. Uh, but then they get to Kevin Bacon's house. They get the oh, I forgot. I almost forgot the Kingo reference. As they're walking out of the bar, you you get a wide shot of that street, and all of a sudden you see this billboard that says "A Kingo Christmas" with Kamel Manji, uh, Nanjiani in the in the in the billboard, and that was so funny to me. I'm watching that, going, "Oh my god, that's hilarious." Um. And uh makes me wonder if they shot that Christmas movie before Kingo disappeared with the Celestial. Because Kingo did go with Arsham at the end of Eternal. So I wonder if they shot that. Anyway, that's a little thing. That's a little minor thing. Anyway, so they go to Kevin Bacon's house. They break into Kevin Bacon's house. Um, and uh, they're chasing them. Um, they Both Drax and Mantis beat the crap out of these police officers. Um, uh, I love Drax's obsession with, uh, the little funny man, which is, uh, the little elf that he tries to steal from Kevin Bacon's home. Um, and then I love when they're on the ship and they find out that Kevin Bacon isn't this legendary hero that, um, that Peter Quill may have, uh, portrayed him to be, but instead he's just an actor. And I love how they're all disgusted by that. They're like, ugh, we got an actor. How dare... It's like, no, being an actor is really cool. It's, it's, it's really cool. Um, I mean, I, I agree with Kevin Bacon. Being an actor is, I, I, being an actor is pretty cool. Um, let's see. Um, oh, but then they get back to nowhere. And um, they get back to nowhere. And all of a sudden, Peter opens his present, and he finds out Kevin Bacon's there. He's like, you got me a human being as a Christmas gift. Yes, we did. This is not a Christmas gift. This is, this is human trafficking. This is human trafficking. <laughs> and I like how he tells Mantis to get him out of the trans. Um and then he does, she does, and then he ends up running. He takes off running, and he's like, and I love when he's like, there's a talking raccoon. And then Rocket just goes after him trying to kill him. That, that's that's real. <laughs> all of that, all of the interactions with Kevin Bacon. Like, Kevin Bacon really, like, you can just tell he this this guy had a lot of fun with, with this holiday special. 
Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. Uh, oh yeah, because I'm 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 doing all this based on memory. Uh, I've seen it now. I've seen the holiday special now three times. I'm actually probably gonna watch it again later tonight. Um, probably just hop on Disney Plus and just you know click it on click uh, click on it again and just watch it. Um, <laughs> but I also love it. Love that conversation he has with uh, Craglin. Um, and I love how Craglin's like, uh, uh, when, when he gets, when he gets, when his phone starts, when Kevin Bacon's phone starts ringing, he goes, he is like, burr, burr. you know, he's like, he's like, how do you guys get good? How did you guys get good reception out here? He's like, oh, we have these satellites. They, you know, they can get you anywhere, but anywhere within a 400 million light year, uh, radius. It's like. Okay, that's a little convenient, but whatever. It's a it's a holiday special. You can't you can't worry about nitpicks like that. Um, and then I love how it's 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 such a cheesy like lifetime oh, Christmas movie moment. But it's where Kevin Bacon's on the phone with with his wife, and he's like he's like you know what? I think I'm gonna be I'm gonna have to be a little late. My friends here need to learn about Christmas. <laughs> such a cheesy it's such a cheesy little moment <laughs> but, but again that's what they're going for and if you don't like it i can't help you um but it's really really funny um and then they wrap it up with another song um and that song let's see let me go to the album here i should have brought i should have kept this up for a reference um <laughs> the song is called Here It Is Christmas Time, and we get a lot of really good little gags here. Like, you know, Peter Quill gives Groot uh, a Game Boy console, but then the gift that Rocket gets from Nebula, Bucky's arm. Because I've been tell I've been saying this for years. I've been I had I said this back when Avengers Endgame was coming out. I was saying Endgame needs to have five post-credit scenes, just like they did in Guardians 2 where they had five post-credit scenes. They needed to do that, and one of those post-credit scenes had to be Rocket walking around with carrying Bucky's arm on the ship, and then Bucky waking up going, guys, do you know where my arm went? And the fact that they finally did, that James Gunn finally decided to do it in a holiday special Oh my god, I nearly lost my shit laughing at that so hard. It was great. It was it was awesome. So um and then we get a really heartwarming moment between Peter and, and Mantis. Mantis reveals to Peter that yes, you know, ego is my is her father too, and then they hug and they share a nice little Christmas hug. Um and then we get an ultimate reveal about about Kraglin's story story. And how it really ended with uh, Yondu giving Peter the the two guns that he eventually uses uh, for Christmas, and uh, yeah, it's it's a nice little it's it's a it's it's a very happy Christmas holiday special, and and especially one of the great things about it is that the fact that it came after such a heavy movie with um with Wakanda Forever because Wakanda Forever is such a heavy heavy. Marvel movie and and has a lot of emotion into it, a lot of real heavy emotion built into it. That it's almost like you know what, 
this is the kind of thing you want to watch after you watch a movie. Like I almost, I almost compare it to like when in Hawkeye, instead of doing a really big post credit scene that connects to the rest of the MCU, the post credit scene for the finale of Hawkeye was just the the Save the City musical number, you know, and it's like okay. No, not every. We don't have to always have some big ending that connects everything together. We can have we can have some fun here, you know, like you know, Hawkeye. The finale of Hawkeye was coming off of you know, and we're going to talk about Hawkeye in a minute. But you know, the finale of Hawkeye was coming off of the ending of Spider Man No Way Home, which ended with Peter basically giving up his life to, you know to save the the multiverse, you know, giving up his, his, his relationship with his friends and then all that stuff. That's a, that's a pretty sad little ending there, but then to then follow it up with the finale of Hawkeye and have this really cool little, you know, save the city, help us win, you know, that was fun. And now with this year where, where we where the last MCU film, was a movie that w- that felt more like a celebration of Chadwick Boseman and you know was really grieving the loss of a member of this Marvel Cinematic Universe here we are with a holiday special that really at at the end of the day the holiday special was just there to give you a good time and i love that i i thought it was excellent i thought and and surprisingly I thought the CGI was actually really impressive in some parts of it too. Um especially um you know the look of Cosmo and and you know the the look you know Groot looks spectacular even though I love even though he is he's got this big buff you know body you know we we got a big giant Groot um which is great uh, and I like that. So um yeah I love the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. It was fantastic. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, again, it's it, not my not my favorite thing from uh, – not my favorite thing from, from, from the Marvel Disney Plus content. Um, but we will answer that question when we get to the rankings. But before we get to the rankings, guys, let's go ahead and let's take the typical commercial break. Um, so sit, so don't go anywhere, guys. The Webster's Podcast will be right back. Thank you so much for listening to this installment on the Zeke Said So Podcast. I wanted to remind you guys that the Zeke Said So Podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pocket Cast, and Stitcher. Uh, if you are listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a review on the feed, preferably a positive review. It helps more people see the show, and it helps us grow and continue to give you this amazing content. Also wanted to remind you guys that, that you can check out the Zeke Said So written blog. Go to zekesaidso.wordpress.com, and you may find the Zeke Said So podcast in a written blog. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Zeke said so and on Instagram at Zeke underscore said underscore so. And one more thing, if you would like to support the show, you can find a link in the description of every podcast we put up to our listener support feature. 
Once you get there, you may donate any amount. And for those who do, you will receive a special shout out right here on the podcast feed. Not a mandate. You don't have to do you don't have to do it, but it does help us out a lot. And you guys are also supporting the show just by listening to this amazing content. Now, with that down, let's get right back to the show. So now that we have reviewed the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, the question is ultimately, where does this rank amongst all of the content we have received from Phase 4? So, yeah, we're going to talk about just ranking all of Phase 4 from worst to best. And, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy that. So, without any further ado, guys, let's get into it and let's break down phase four has it truly been the weakest and which phase four movies are great which phase four disney plus series are great and also which which mcu movies are bad and which mcu disney plus shows are bad i know that's very complicated very complicated question to ask but we're going to answer it right here with our mcu marvel cinematic universe Phase 4 Rankings. guys and now let's go ahead and review uh not review let's go ahead and rank the uh marvel cinematic universe phase four so phase four took us from january 2021 all the way up to november of 2022 and in and in between that year we have had 18 18 Marvel projects, including all of Disney Plus and movies. So we're going to go ahead and rank everything. Not just Marvel Disney Plus, but also the movies as well. Now, before I um, before I continue with anything, let me just start off by saying this, okay? Just like with any list, like just like with my top 10 favorite movies of the year, you are not going to agree with everything on this list. Some of these films or Disney Plus shows you might have ranked higher. Uh, you might look at some of them and go, hey, that one's the worst one. And I might go, hey, uh, great, that's your opinion. But in my opinion, it's where it ranks, you know. So, so, um. Just because I rank these movies the way I rank them does not mean you know you have to you you have to one hundred percent agree. That's the wonderful thing about art is that we all see it in very different in various different ways. Now, having said that, there have been some criticism about Marvel 
phase four that it has been the weakest. Well, hopefully by hearing my list, you guys will see that I I don't think it's been the worst. I mean, I yes, compared to phase one through three, yes, it has been the weakest. But I do think there was an, a really good number of really good projects that came out of um, Marvel Phase 4. And we are going to run down all of them right now. Starting with number 18. We're going to start from worst to best. Starting up with number 18, the worst uh, project to come out of Marvel Phase 4 is Marvel Studios' What If. Um, look... I understand what the purpose was of what if the fact that it was supposed to kind of be a twist on the MCU in a very cool and unique way. Okay. And some of the episodes in what if are really, really good. Some of the episodes in Marvel's what if series are not just good. They're fucking great. You know, uh, what if T'Challa became Star-Lord? Great. Uh, what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? Great. What if zombies? Great. Um, what if Ultron won? Fantastic. But there was also an equal number of really bad ones. Like the very first episode. What if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? What if the world lost its mightiest heroes? What if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? Uh, what if Thor were an only child, which was kind of like the the prelude to Thor: Love and Thunder? Um, what if the Watcher broke his oath? You know, like like the Watcher. the The finale is what really disappointed me because I thought we were going to get this really big, epic finale that not only would wrap up the story we saw in season one, but that would also kind of, you know, lead us into a season two or hell lead us into the multiverse of madness, which is essentially what this show was meant to do. This show was meant to kind of tee up the multiverse. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, in fact, honestly, after watching this show, it almost, after watching multiverse of madness, it almost makes watching, what if just completely pointless, you know, because while yes, there are some really good stories within what if like example, the what if T'Challa became Star Lord is a great episode. And, you know, hearing the late great Chadwick Boseman in his in, in his final performance as the character was great. But yeah, uh, what if was really disappointing uh, for me, at least. Coming in at number 17, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. Look, um, um, do I really have to say anything else? Um, this was kind of what, um, hmm. This is exactly what I did not want from a She-Hulk show. Um, for me, I was kind of hoping for a show that, yes, was a comedy, but for me, I also wanted a show that dealt with 
the superhero world from a legal perspective. You know, that is what I see She-Hulk. Like, She-Hulk, in my opinion, works best when she is looking at this world of the superheroes through the perspective of a attorney. And that's what I personally liked. Like there are certain episodes, like like the episode with Daredevil, that op- that 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 scene where her and Daredevil are kind of going back inside of uh, going back and forth uh, during a, a court hearing is really fantastic, you know. And even you know, there's even some really great moments with you know Daredevil doing the Walk of Shame. There's some really great moments of you know, like example. I know a lot of people hated it. But I loved the finale where She-Hulk goes into the Marvel Studios and kind of decides to, uh, you know, tell off Marvel that their endings are all pretty much the same. You know, Um, I love that. I love that kind of stuff. I I like it. It, it, It's different. And also, also, it kind of makes you, it, it makes... It's good to know that the MCU is aware of how of how repetitive it is. You know, at least that the 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 people at Marvel understand that and they did that by having this in there. You know, again, one of my favorite jokes from the show is when uh, Jennifer is walking away from Kevin, the big robot, and he's saying, and she says, you know, Bruce smashes wall, uh, uh, smashes enemies. Uh, I smash fourth walls and bad endings, and sometimes Matt Murdock. <laughs> um, also, her, her, like, like when she's running down all the questions, and then she's like, she's like, oh, when are we getting the X Men? And then just looks at the camera and. Gives him a thumbs up. That was hilarious. All that stuff was hilarious. But then they added all these really gimmicky episodes. Like like the one that everybody loved that I don't understand at all. She-Hulk twerking with um, with Megan the Stallion. You know? You have episodes like that that just make me roll my eyes and go, What are we doing? Like, what are we doing? You know, it's like, it's, and then, you know, you, like, and then it doesn't even, it doesn't stop there. Because then we get episodes, uh, hold on, I'm trying to bring up the, um, trying to bring up the episodes here. <sighs> Come on, you piece of crap. IMDB, you piece of sh- uh, There we go. Okay. Yeah, um, but then you get episodes like, <laughs> like, like J- Jennifer Walters going to be a bridesmaid at a wedding, you know, or let's let's go hang out with Blonsky at his wellness retreat. Really? What are we? It's like what are we doing? What are we doing? You know, like. Oh yeah, well now let's let's sue uh Titan- Titania for for trademarking the word She-Hulk. Like what are we like what are we doing? What is this? What is this? 
like it just didn't like for me it was like it the I feel like the show did not know what it wanted to be whether it wanted to be a self-aware comedy in the vein of Deadpool or whether it wanted to be a really like a, like an Ally McBeal legal comedy you know and I just felt like it just didn't know what it wanted to be so uh, coming in at number sixteen we have I am Groot now look I understand that I am Groot is look. I Am Groot is not made for an adult audience. I understand that, okay? However, um, <laughs> there's just a lot that's wrong with this. Um, I just felt like my biggest issue with the I Am Groot stuff is not the fact that that it's it's not it's not the way they're written, but it's the fact that they're basically all just three minutes long, you know. Rather than just making them ten to fifteen minutes, they're three minute. They're like bite sized shorts, you know. Right when all the really cute, funny stuff is happening, you're not able to get invested in it because oh wait oh no never mind it's over, you know. And really, at the end of the day, there was only really one episode of I Am Groot that really made me, like, laugh and have all that stuff. And that's when, you know, when Rocket shows up. is the one with Rocket. The the one where Groot's gathering all this stuff for, from the from the Guardians. Like, he steals Drax's soap, and then all of a sudden, you know, Rocket comes in and is like, what did you build? Did you build a bomb? You know, like... Like all that great stuff, you and that was, and I remember watching that because that was the first one that I did not watch them in order. I watched them out of order, and I remember when when I watched that one, I was like, "Oh, this is great! I can't wait to see the rest of it." Then I started watching all the rest of them. I'm like, "No, this these aren't really that. This isn't really that great." There was one great little short, but other than that, that was really it. You know, so yeah, I am Groot. Lands at the number 16 spot. Coming in at number 15, Black Widow. Um, Here's the thing. When I first saw Black Widow, I had said that I loved it. In fact, actually, I can pull up my, my Instagram review right now for Black Widow. Um, I can pull up my, my, my review for Black Widow. Right here, and okay, there it is. And and this is what I wrote. Okay, what a comeback from Marvel! Black Widow is an intense, thrilling spy film with great action and new characters that I think will return in the MCU. The third act isn't great, and the movie has has wow. This movie has a villain that is worse. Than the one in Thor: The Dark World, but overall a wonderful addition to the MCU. Now, as far as great new characters, yes, uh, great action, yes, an intense, thrilling spy film, yes, it is all of that. Like, like this definitely does feel like a like a Born Identity esque type of spy film, and and that's great. 
But for me, where this movie really fails is just the story. Like, just what the 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 villain of the story. You know, you have Taskmaster, who kind of kicks everything off and, and you know, gets Natasha involved in the main storyline. But then you have um, Dracoff, who is the most cheesy, the most stereotypical Russian bad guy you have ever seen in any movie ever. If you've ever seen a movie with a big Russian bad guy, Dracoff is essentially the same guy. You know, if you smell my pheromones, they will not, they will stop you from doing anything, from prevent, from punching me in the face. (laughs) You know, like, just, just like twirling his mustache, you know, and then Taskmaster, like Taskmaster kind of turned out to be kind of a bitch. Like, like they, they kind of punked Taskmaster like a little bitch, you know, it's, it's, and I'm sure, I'm sure Taskmaster will be used better in future projects. Like ta- we know Taskmaster is returning in um, the Thunderbolts. So I'm sure in Thunderbolts, we're going to see a much better use of Taskmaster. But it's just like, I, I just, I was watching this. Um, I was, I was, you know, kind of watching Black Widow. I The more I rewatched it, the more frustrating it became to watch just because of those two villains. Those villains kind of ruined the movie for me. And also like there's, like the third act is completely ridiculous. Like the third act is ridiculous. You know, we're fighting on this big giant airship and now it's exploding and now we have a big green we now we have a now we have a whole entire action scene where Scarlett Johansson's now on wires and you know floating in the air with with you know wreckage falling in the sky. And it's just all it's so stupid. Like it, honestly like like Whereas the first two acts had that sense of realism, and you were like, "Oh, this this is like some Jason Bourne type of stuff," it then becomes a Saturday morning cartoon by the time they get to Drake off. Like literally, as soon as they meet um, Drake off in the third act, that's when it becomes this big, huge Saturday morning cartoon of you know you have Drake off who's you know if you smell my pheromones it will stop you from committing violence against me, and then you have like you know Red Guardian you know is like I want to punch something and by the way Red Guardian is fantastic in this like David Harbor is by far the best part of that and about Black Widow hands down and I can't wait to see more of him in the future. Um, but yeah, overall Black Widow, I feel like Black Widow is a good movie, but could have been a, Black Widow is a, is, is a bad movie that could have been a good movie had the villains been better and had that third act not turned into a complete Saturday morning cartoon for me, you know, so there's that. Coming in at number 14, we have Hawkeye. Now this originally was ranked lower. This was actually... I ranked lower than She-Hulk, believe it or not. But I rewatched Hawkeye. I'm actually on episode six right now. I'm about to finish episode six um, as soon as I'm done recording this uh, this this episode. 
But I rewatched Hawkeye, and as I rewatched it, I'm like, you know what? And maybe, maybe just because I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm now in the Christmas spirit, in a post Thanksgiving day, I'm just, I'm, I guess I might, might slightly be in the Christmas spirit. For me, I actually really enjoy Hawkeye. I still have issues. I still have issues with like like I don't like the tracksuit mafia guys are are Saturday morning like those those guys are complete cartoons, they're they're Looney Tunes cartoons like that's that's how bad they are. Um, Echo is a character that I feel like could be really good. I just don't know if after watching Hawkeye, and especially after watching it recently, I don't know if she's earned her own show. After, especially after watching it recently, because don't get me wrong, I like the Maya. I like the uh, the Maya. The I love the the Echo character. Uh, Maya, um, um, what was her name? Is, is it Maya Lopez? Is that what what her name is? I don't know. Um, I love the Maya character. I liked Echo in 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 Hawkeye. However. <laughs> However, I, in my opinion, okay, then again, this is just me. This is just my opinion. I don't feel like she's earned her own show, after, especially after watching it again. But other than those issues, and, and also I, I didn't really love the way Kingpin was portrayed in this story. Now, who knows? Maybe in maybe once we see him in Echo and Daredevil Born Again, we'll see a better, accurate portrayal of him. Vincent D'Onofrio still gives a magnificent performance. I just didn't like the way they used the character. But other than that, I love the way they introduced Kate Bishop. I loved the way we, uh, the what they did with Clint and having him going through the the hearing loss and all that stuff. Um, I love what they did with Yelena. Um, the stuff with Jack and 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 Eleanor Bishop is so good. And I just was sitting there watching it, going, you know what? No, this is a fun. Like this is this almost reminds me of like a fun, a fun kind of um, homage to '90s action films. You know, where it's 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 not great. But it's fun. It's entertaining from start to finish. You know, has its issues, yes. And it has a lot of things that I'm like, okay, that's stupid. But it is incredibly entertaining, in my opinion. And I, I really did like it over. And I, I, I've gone from really not liking Hawkeye to actually kind of enjoying it, actually. So, yeah, Hawkeye is number 14. Coming in at number 13, we have Thor, Love, and Thunder. Um, this is a movie that I feel like is a good movie that could have been a great movie if it had balanced out if if it didn't lean so heavily into being a comedy. Don't get me wrong, I love the fact I, I laughed at a lot of the stuff in this movie. However, I would have loved to have seen a little bit of a balance. Like maybe when we see something funny, let's show Gore the God Butcher killing gods. You know, let's let's see that, because that's his name, Gore the God Butcher. I think that's the, the part that disappoints me most about the movie is that they relied more on Thor being a little bit more of a goofball in this movie than they did on 
you know, acknowledging the fact that there is a guy called the God Butcher going around murdering gods. You know, so, yeah. Um, coming in number 12, we have Loki. This is another show that I feel like is a, it's, it's good. I like Loki, but it could have been great. And how could it have been great if they had just made it a movie instead? Loki should have been a movie and not a six-episode season of a television show. Because I feel like there was a lot of filler and there was a lot of points in this show where I just remember going, okay, let's let's speed this up a little bit. This is this is we're getting nowhere here. And but I do like how it sets us up for the multiverse saga and where and where it looks like we're gonna go with Kang and Sylvie and all that. So that's why it is ranked at number twelve. Uh, coming in at number eleven. We have Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This is one that I feel like is a great Sam Raimi movie. I don't think it's a good MCU movie. It's a great Sam Raimi movie. And Sam Raimi, this is like evil dead peak Sam Raimi right here. And I love that about this movie. Some of the ways it tries to connect itself with the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in my opinion, doesn't really work as well. And I feel like this movie would have been really great if Sam Raimi had full control over the script and not had Michael Waldron on as a screenwriter. So, yeah. Um, Coming in at number 10, we have The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, I really like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, Again, I don't think it needed to be a series. I think it could have worked better as a movie. Um, I understand why they thought about making it a TV show, but in my opinion, I feel like this show would have worked a lot better as a movie because I felt like there was a lot of filler. And I felt like there was a lot of places where we could have just been like, okay, let, let's, let's keep it going. We got, we got more stuff to focus on here. And, but I love the stuff with, with Sam Bucky. I love Zemo in this thing. Uh, I love what they did with Sharon Carter. And I really loved John Walker, uh, aka uh, U.S. Agent. I love what they did with John in this in this uh, in this show, and I can't wait to see more of him in the future. Um, speaking of Thunderbolts, he's going to be part of that team, and that's really exciting. Also, um, it was our first introduction to the character of Valentina, who has shown up quite a bit throughout Phase Four. Um, and yeah, I, I loved it. I, I really liked it. It again, could have been a movie instead of a TV show, but I do overall like it. And I, and I enjoyed it overall. Um, and I think it's a good setup for where we're going to go in Thunderbolts and in Captain America four. So, uh, that is number 10. All right, guys. And let's go ahead and move on to number nine. Number nine, we have uh, Moon Knight. Moon Knight comes in at number nine in our MCU Phase 4 rankings. Um, so Moon Knight is a very interesting uh, addition to the MCU in a sense that I was really excited when I heard that they were bringing Moon Knight to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
particularly when I found out that Oscar Isaac himself was playing the character of um, of um, Mark Spector, a.k.a. Stephen Grant, a.k.a. Moon Knight, a.k.a. Mr. Knight, a.k.a. Jake Lockley, or whatever, you know. And I thought it, I thought the, this, I thought this was a great show from episodes one to five. Then we got to episode six, and that's where I felt like the show really started to take a turn from being great to just being a good show. Like, this show was great, and I was, like, into it. I was, every single episode, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is great, this is great, this is great, this is great. And then it took a turn, and we're, and then it took, and then the finale happened, and then I'm like, wow, this is not great, but it's good, I guess? And I just did not, I did not like what they did with, what they did in the finale. I felt like it was rushed. Um, I felt like we needed one or two more episodes to kind of, wrap up the the story that we were getting in this show um and yeah i mean look do i hate moon knight no i i like i said i think it's good and i think i think oscar isaac should get an emmy nomination for his performance in in this show. i mean hell if he's not nominated for the sag awards for this performance i'm gonna be very curious about why that's the case um he was fantastic in in moon knight and i thought he was he in particular gave i think one of the best performances in a marvel tv show um you know episode five still goes down as one of the best episodes in a in any disney plus show not just not just marvel i'm talking about marvel star wars whatever Episode 5 of Moon Knight is the best episode out of any series that has come from Marvel or uh, Star Wars. Um, you know, I just, I loved it. I just showing you Mark's uh, uh, backstory, how he, how Stephen Grant came to be, but also the relationship that he had with his mother and how that went sideways, and it just, it was all fantastic, and I thought it, I thought it was great, and again, had the finale, had the finale really stuck the landing, it would have been higher on my list, but it's just not, and it's because of that finale for me, so uh, number nine is Moon Knight. Coming in at number eight, we have Miss Marvel. Miss um, Marvel was a show that I will be honest with you, I had no interest in. Look, I I don't think the Miss Marvel character is a bad character in the comics, but I'm also like, eh, eh, okay. I mean, I don't really think I need to see an entire show based on Miss Marvel. Oh my God, I'm so glad I saw a show based on Miss Marvel because I am now so invested in Kamala Khan. Um, Iman Vellani as uh, Kamala Khan was fantastic. I love the relationship she had with her family, the relationship she has with her friend Bruno. Um, uh, 
you know, Comron uh, and all these characters, uh, all these really wonderful characters. Her brother was fantastic. The mom was wonderful. The dad was great. Loved it. Had it, it, it had a couple of issues that I was not too particularly happy with. Um, but overall, like I said, I think it's a very good, I think it's a great show. I think the way it ended, the way it wrapped up was fantastic. And I cannot wait to see where they take, um, Kamala Khan in, um, the Marvels. I think she is, I think, I think the Marvels is really going to be the movie where she is really going to be the one MCU project that's really going to show like whether or not she can, uh, transfer from TV show to movie. Because we've seen that she can do a really good job on a TV show, but can she do an even better job in the movies? We'll have to wait and see. But having seen Miss Marvel, I cannot wait to see where they go in the Marvels. So, Miss Marvel, and also one of the other things I loved about Miss Marvel was that the fact that it it yes it focused on a different culture and a different ethnicity and all that stuff, but it also managed to keep it relatable so that. Everybody, everybody, no matter what race, religion, whatever, where no matter where you come from, you can kind of relate to the situations that these characters can go that these characters go through, and that's all. That's great. I I loved it. I, I give the show props for for doing that, man. It's it's great. So yeah, Miss Marvel is number eight. Coming in at number seven, getting right back to the movies, we have. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Um, this is a movie that I just love. That I love. And I love it every time I think about it. And I love it every time I watch it again. It's so great. Everything from the opening scene with T'Challa... With T'Challa uh, spoilers for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. But the opening with T'Challa's funeral... All the stuff with Shuri, all the stuff with Akoye, all the stuff with M'Baku, Namor. All that stuff is great. I didn't necessarily love the Martin Freeman stuff. But look, other than the, the stuff with Martin Freeman, I thought the way Ryan Cougar was able to continue furthering the legacy of Wakanda with and carrying on the story without Chadwick Boseman, I thought he did a magnificent job with. And speaking of award consideration, if Angela Bassett is not nominated for Best Supporting Actress, I will, um, yeah, I will riot. I I will go out in the streets and riot. Because um, <laughs> um, she absolutely deserves it. Absolutely, one hundred percent deserves to be nominated for best supporting actress. You know, I always go back to that to that moment where they're in the throne room and she just, you know, she's like, she's like, I am queen of the most powerful nation in the world. It's so great, such a great monologue, and it's, oh, oh, powerful, powerful is the best way to describe Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, which lands at number seven. Coming in at number six, we have Eternals. This is one that I think everyone is going to really disagree with me on because screw the haters. I loved Eternals. Now look, here, here's the let me let me let me acknowledge by saying okay, if you did not like Eternals, that's that's fine. Okay, I'm I'm not judging you because you didn't like Eternals, 
But I'm telling you from my perspective, Eternals is one of the is not just one of the one of the best films of Marvel's Phase Four, but it's to me one of the best movies that Marvel has ever put out in general. I know a lot of people were really thrown off at the fact that you know a lot of people really are like you know no you know it's I don't like this movie because it doesn't feel like an MCU movie it's it's more of Chloe Zhao's movie it's not an MCU film and that's why I like it because it doesn't feel like a Marvel cinematic every once in a while it's good to have movies that don't feel like MC that don't feel like as like for me like I know I criticized Multiverse of Madness for being a great Sam Raimi movie but not a good MCU movie but the Sam Raimi-ness is why I ended up still saying that Multiverse of Madness was a good movie, you know? And I like the fact that Marvel kind of went a different direction with Eternals, not making it about the, the superhero powers and all that stuff, but making it more about, you know, let's look at the perspective, let's look at let's let's look at the the true meaning of humanity. Let's Let's look at the the importance of humanity through the perspective of gods, apparently, suppose like of through the perspective of these Eternals who basically have the powers of God. Like that is incredible. Like that is an incredible way to kind of shift the the narrative direction of your Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it it contains some of the greatest action in my opinion that i've seen in the mcu like for me that scene where uh fastos makari and um uh thena are all fighting um are all fighting icarus that is such a great action scene and the fact that makari just proceeds to beat the living hell out of icarus is so great i loved i loved all the characters i loved Icarus, Cersei, um, uh, Druig, Druig, probably one of my, and the relationship between Druig and Makari was also really great. It's one, honestly, one of the best relationships I've ever seen in a comic movie. Period. Um, you know, Ajax was great. Would have loved to have seen more of her, but hey, Ajax was great. Um, Thena was fantastic. Um, Gilgamesh was awesome. Like Gilgamesh had some of my favorite, and Karud. Karun, Kingo's valet. Um, I loved Karun. I, I loved his little. I loved his. I loved the fact that he wanted to, to 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 you know help them. You know he wanted to. He like when Kingo tells him, "You should just probably go home." And he goes, "And do what? Watch TV? Like I would rather be here with you." It's like fine if you want to be here, stay. It was so great. It was so so good. Um. And obviously, Kingo is fantastic. And I love the fact that this movie actually ends with our heroes being separated. Like, it kind of ends very much in a Empire Strikes Back type of way, where it's like, uh-oh, our heroes are screwed now. They just disobeyed their master, and now they are screwed. Screwed! And I thought it was—I thought it was fantastic. I love it. Uh, I love Eternals, and I—I've watched it many, many times since owning it. I—I I, I don't own it on Blu-ray. I'm ashamed that I don't own it on Blu-ray, but I do own it digitally. And I—and I, you know, obviously, it's on Disney Plus, so I've watched it many times on Disney Plus as well. And it's 
uh, a fantastic film and really a fantastic addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Coming in at number five, the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Um, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy, everything I've said about the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, I've already said it in the review, so I'm not going to go too in-depth, but yeah, look. It's wonderful. What what else do what else can I say? Wonderful. Coming in at number four, we're getting to the top here. We're getting close to the top. Coming in at number four, we have WandaVision. And to to describe how much I love WandaVision, allow me to play a um song that, that is, you know. That the, it's it. Let's just let's just listen in. Let's just listen in real quick. That song doesn't put a smile on your face. I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. I and and look, that is honestly one of the many many things that makes WandaVision so great. Obviously, this being the first project to kick off Phase Four, and to have it be a story about grief, to have it be a story about grief, about how we process our grief and how we how do we process loss. You know, Wakanda Forever dealt with a very similar theme in that in that perspective. Um, I just want to find the quote. Um, okay, yeah. So, one of the best quotes in WandaVision comes from Vision, actually. And it is still to this day the the quote that makes me cry every single time I hear it, or it gets me choked up, and I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. It's when Vision looks at Wanda and says, "But what is grief if not love persevering?" God, <laughs> fuck you, Kevin Feige. Seriously, fuck that guy. Like, how do you make everything so good? Like. Seriously, like I, that is brilliant, brilliant. And then the way they introduced the, the, like the, like the fact that it started off as a very cheap, as a very, you know, homage to 50 sitcoms and, you know, the Dick Van Dyke show and all that, like, like having it be an homage to sitcoms, but then all of a sudden they start building this mystery about what's really happening. And the way Agatha then plays into the to the whole thing, 
I loved Catherine Hahn as Agatha. I thought she was great. She was great. And not just in the sitcom aspects of it, but once she's revealed to being Agatha Harkness, once she reveals herself and says, the name's Agatha Harkness. Lovely to finally meet you, dear. Oh, it chills every time. Chills. It's so good. It's so so good. And then you know the line. One of the one of the best lines of the show comes from Agatha, where she says, "This is chaos magic, Wanda. That makes you the Scarlet Witch." Oh, oh God, that's so great. I want that. I want that line put up in a poster and framed. And I want that image. Of, of of Scarlet Witch with the quote, this is chaos magic. That makes you the Scarlet Witch. I want that image framed and put up on my studio wall. Fantastic. And, you know, Wanda Maximoff is one of my favorite characters in the... Honestly, she is my favorite character in the MCU. Just because of what they've done with her from... From uh, from Wanda... From, you know, Avengers Age of Ultron all the way up to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um... And the way they set up her villain turn in WandaVision is so great. Um, and yeah, I, I loved it. I, I still think WandaVision is how you can is how Marvel should always uh, go into their should always format their their TV shows. You know, because you know, the six episode thing hasn't really worked out for them. But WandaVision worked out pretty damn well. So I, I'm I'm pretty I love WandaVision. Uh, it was so great. But WandaVision was not the best thing on Disney Plus because the best thing on Disney Plus happens to be number three, and that is Werewolf by Night. Um I had no expectations for this. I'm gonna be honest with you. I had no freaking clue as to how good this was actually going to end up being. But the minute it started with the Marvel Studios logo and all of a sudden it you see the the claws, the werewolf claws and all of a sudden the lightning strikes, it turns black and white and you and you get the this feel that you're watching like something pulled straight out of like a 1930s monster movie, you know? And you know the the dialogue was written very great. Um, I loved the performances by uh, Gael Garcia Bernal was was fantastic. Um, Laura Donnelly was really good. Um, I loved the addition of Man Thing. Uh, I love how that how that was really great. Uh, I love how great that that in the bean. Um, and I'll be honest. The fact that this movie, this this little TV special, the fact that it was directed by a first-time director and it still ended up being as great as it ended up being, that's fantastic. Like, that is, in my opinion, fantastic. The fact that Michael Giacchino came in, he was a first-time director, came in with his directorial debut on Werewolf by Night, and the fact that it still turned out to be as great as it was, I, it, of course, Werewolf by Night has to be the, in the top three Marvel uh, 
of the MCU Phase 4, you know, because it's just that great. And I would love to see these characters again. I want to see um, uh, Jack Russell. I want to see Elsa Bloodstone again. I want to see uh, Man-Thing um, in, in, in the MCU again. I want to see these characters make their big triumphant returns. And I wouldn't mind seeing them in Blade or in maybe Moon Knight Season 2. You know, or hell, maybe if you're going to do a Werewolf by Night sequel for the next Halloween special, you can have, you know, Moon Knight appear as a character in that. And so there's so many different directions they can go in. I just want to see these characters come back. So Werewolf by Night is number three. Coming in at number two, not just number two on phase four, but number two as far as all of the MCU movies, my second favorite MCU movie of all time. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. This movie's phenomenal. I, for, right from the opening backstory of the Mandarin um, and how the Mandarin met his wife was fantastic. Um, getting introduced to characters like, uh, like Shang-Chi, Katie, uh, Shang-Chi's sister was all great. Um, the 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 action is fantastic. The bus action sequence in Shang Chi is fantastic. The uh the final third act action set piece is great. Um, this honestly, in my opinion, is the best live action Last Airbender movie I think we are ever gonna get. Um, um, don't get me wrong, I am still excited for the for the Netflix show, but but this is by far the best version of a last airbender movie we are ever going to get um and yeah i loved it and and i can't wait to see more of these characters simu liu making bringing this character that i have always loved i've always loved the character of shang chi but bringing him to life in a new in a fresh and unique way it was great and i loved it i i loved everything about this movie and, uh, yeah, that's why it is number two on the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 4, which brings me to number one. And number one, of course, is Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, I know a lot of people, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home is also my favorite movie in the MCU overall. It, Spider-Man No Way Home is the best film in the MCU. Now, I know a lot of people are like, but Zeke, it's nothing but fan service. It's nothing but fan. If you think Spider-Man No Way Home is nothing but fan service, then you you didn't watch the movie because obviously, yes, is there a lot of fan service? Absolutely, there is. But guess what? There's a lot of fan service in so many more. There's a lot of fan service in Avengers Endgame. There's a lot of fan service in Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War. You know. But the, the, the thing that makes Spider-Man No Way Home so great is the fact that it, once again, it does something different. It, you know, because Spider-Man Homecoming, and I love Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming was an MCU film. It was not a great Spider-Man movie. It was a good MCU, it's a great MCU movie, not a great Spider-Man movie. Um... Uh, Far From Home, I feel like is a bad is a is a okay MCU movie, but a very bad Spider Man movie. 
Spider-Man Far From Home is an okay MCU film, but a really bad Spider-Man movie. This movie is a great MCU film, but is also a very great Spider-Man film. And is able to take the the Spider-Man character, move him away from being Iron Man Jr., getting rid of the of the Tony Stark armor, you know, getting rid of his connections with with the Avengers, and having him just be Spider-Man because that's what makes Spider-Man so cool is that he is his he's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, you know. And the way this movie ends with with Peter going to that coffee shop and standing in front of... I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. Standing in front of MJ and him saying... And, 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 and him seeing the, the, the Band-Aid on her head and seeing that, you know, Ned and MJ's lives are great. I can't get, I can't get in the way of that. So it's best if I step away, you know? And... That scene where he where he puts the letter back in his pocket. Oh, it's so great. It's so filled with emotion. You know, obviously, then you have then you have all the fan service stuff. Then you have all the villains who show up. Willem Dafoe's fantastic. Alfred Molina's great. But then you have the three Spider-Men who show up. Andrew and Toby. You know, the, the two Spider-Men who end up showing up. You know, Andrew and Toby is great. It's all great. You know? You have you have a scene where where Andrew and where Andrew, Tom, and Toby are all talking about where Toby's webbing comes from. You know, <laughs> it's so great. I never thought we would see that in an MC in a in a in a movie, but we did, and it turned out to be wonderful. So yes, I love Spider-Man: No Way Home. I will not apologize for liking Spider-Man: No, no Way Home. I think it's the best film in the MCU, and I do believe it's the best part, the best thing that has ever come out of Marvel Phase 4. All right, guys, so let's run down this list one more time. Before we sign off here, let's go ahead and run down the list of the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 4. All right. Uh, hold on. Sorry, my computer froze. Okay, there we go. Uh, number 18, What If? Number 17, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. Number 16, I Am Gru. Number 15, Black Widow. Number 14, Hawkeye. Number 13, Thor, Love and Thunder. Number 12, Loki. Number 11, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Number 10, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Number 9, Moon Knight. Number 8, Miss Marvel. Number 7, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Number 6, Eternals. Uh, number five, the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Uh, number four, WandaVision. Number three, Were- Werewolf by Night. Number two, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And number one, Spider-Man No Way Home. So the ultimate question is, has Phase 4 truly been the weakest? I think compared to Phase 1 through 3, yes. But do I think we've I do I think it's been bad? No. Phase 4 certainly has not been bad. Because I'll tell you what. Spider-Man No Way Home, great. Shang-Chi, great. Werewolf by Night, great. WandaVision, great. uh, Holiday Special, great. Eternals, great. Uh, Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever, great. Miss Marvel, great. Moon Knight, good. Falcon Winter Soldier, good. Doctor Strange, good. Loki, good. Thor Love and Thunder, good. Hawkeye, good. 
Uh, Black Widow, bad. I Am Groot, bad. She-Hulk, Attorney of Law, bad. Uh, what If, bad. There's only been four projects in Phase 4 that I would consider to be bad. Okay? But I think... I think what what I think the problem is, is that we are so used to seeing everything in each phase being great. And I think we're so used to the MCU just crapping out excellence every time. So when when you when you have weak MCU uh properties in you know and and more than just like one whereas phase one through three there's only been like maybe one or two bad mcu films you know um but whereas you look at phase four where there's four of them like like for me where there's four real not great mcu films uh, or tv shows that's not that 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 is where I think people are misunderstanding the point is yes, phase four has been the weakest of the four phases so far. But it's also included some of the most unique and some of the most different stuff that we've seen in the MCU. Phase four is where we really got to see the MCU taking chances, doing things like having a holiday special, doing things like uh uh, bringing in uh, mutants with Miss Marvel, you know, um, having a show that deals with the repercussions of time travel, you know, having a Spider-Man movie where the world doesn't remember who Peter Parker even was. You know, Peter Parker basically practically never existed in the MCU. You know, Spider-Man still exists, but Peter Parker never existed. You know, having... Um, a a fifties style sitcom with Wandavision, you know, we in Phase Four, I believe, is the phase where Marvel decided we are just going to shoot for the stars and we are going to try and do something different. And if we fail, okay, we fail. But if we succeed, then we're going to keep doing it. And we saw them doing crazy, uh, doing so many crazy things, having a show that explores mental health in uh moon night you know like that is like all of it is unique and different and that's what i will appreciate phase four for being phase four is the phase where marvel decided hey let's switch it off let's switch it up a little bit you thought we were making really interesting comic book movies before you haven't seen nothing yet and yes They've had some bad, some some missteps. You know, what if She-Hulk, I Am Groot, Black Widow. They've had some missteps, you know. But they've also had a lot of really great ones. Like Spider-Man No Way Home, Werewolf by Night, the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. You know, they've had a lot of really great ones. So, um, yeah. Uh, I, overall, yes, do believe Phase 4 ha- was weak. But I still really enjoyed the journey that Phase 4 took me on. So, um, all right, guys. With that, with all that said and done, that will do it. This has been a 
hour and a half long show. So thank you so much for sticking with us. Um, thank you so much for sticking through this. Like, oh my goodness, like it's like like I'm looking at the total runtime before I'm adding this ending part. We're already at an hour and twenty three minutes. An hour and twenty three minute show. Um, that is insane. That's crazy. Um, but we had a lot to talk about. We had a lot to talk about this week. So um, the Web Series podcast will return next week, and uh, we're going to be hyping up as we're getting closer to the end of the year. We're going to be hyping up all of the Marvel projects that are coming out in the future um, with Phase 5, and then mm, some theories of what we could see in Phase 6. We'll have to wait and see uh, what the future holds for the Web Series podcast, but that will do it. For this week's episode, guys, thank you so much for watch for listening. Um, uh, make sure you guys go follow me on Instagram um, at Zeke underscore said underscore so. I'm I have so many great reviews up on my Instagram. Uh, I just put my review up for uh, blood uh, for Bones and all um, the new Timothy Chalamet film Bones and all, and I put a new uh, another review up for the Fablemans, um, a review of Strange World. Glass Onion. I have a lot of cool reviews up there, so make sure you guys go and check that out. All right, guys. Um, that will do it for this episode of the Web Series Podcast, guys. Thank you so much for, for listening, and if you like this podcast, please make sure you share it and subscribe. I think I should subscribe to the podcast because Zeke the Geek said so. I will talk to you guys later, and don't, and don't forget, guys, with great power comes great responsibility.